Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. John chapter 11. Verse 1, now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Verse 19. And many of the Jews came to Mary, Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still at the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Then Martha said unto him, I know he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Verse 39. Jesus said, take you away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Then Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee, if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. One last scripture is in the very next chapter, verse 2. Starting verse 1, then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus, which was had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. As I lay in the bed this morning in a stupor, 
waking up, the Lord spoke to me the most, most clear words I've ever heard him speak. And this is what he said, and this will be my thought for this evening. The two hands of Martha. You may be seated. Again and again, these two stories have been repeated, and I do not dare bring something new to you, for the Word tells us there is no new thing under the sun, that God knows all things. But I believe that God has orchestrated this service tonight. I don't know why that he chose a Wednesday night. I really, I don't understand those things. And, and of all Wednesday nights, why this Wednesday night? I, I, I don't understand these things, but I, I do know that when God speaks to me on this manner, that I, I'm going to do what the Lord has moved on me to do. And I, I implore you tonight that you listen with your heart because I believe that God is going to speak to each and every one of us before he leave, we leave this congregation tonight. I, I know that he's already spoken to me. Amen. We find where that there is the characters in the story. There is Martha and then her sister Mary and then her brother Lazarus. The first time that we hear a mentioning of Martha, you'll find it, we read it to you in Luke 10 and 38. And in those verses it says that Martha received him into her home. There was something about Martha that she had a deep desire to be close to the Lord. For she went out of her way from the commentaries, the best that they can ascertain is there is the possibility that perhaps Martha was the eldest of the three and that perhaps that she was a widow and that her siblings lived with her. Uh, we don't know for sure. We can only assume, but it's not really important to the story. But yet we find where then Martha is the one that steps out. It's not Lazarus. It's not Mary, even though there's plenty that is preached about about Mary at the feet of the Lord, listening to every word that is being said in spite of the chagrin of Martha, in spite of the frustration of Martha, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to the words of the Lord. And then we even find where the John makes mention of the fact that she later goes and, uh, and she uh, anoints the Lord's feet and then wipes them with her hair. And these things are recorded in God's word. But yet, there's not a lot that is said about Martha. 
Martha was the one that was responsible for the story of Lazarus. For had there not been a Martha that had had a desire and a longing for Jesus to be in her house, there would have probably never been a story of Lazarus coming forth and Jesus saying, loose him and let him go. But yet there was this Martha. She had a desire to be close to the Lord. Martha, however, even though she wanted to be close to the Lord, there were two sides to Martha. There was a longing for her to be close to Jesus and for Jesus to be close to her. There was a longing for her to know more about this great Jesus. The Messiah, the promised one, the one that was fulfilling prophecy rapidly and her fascination and her faith was increased so much that she went out of her way. Lazarus didn't say anything about him coming. Uh, Mary never said anything about him coming. But yet Martha, she longed for Jesus to be near her and she longed for him to come to her house. So therefore there is a precedent that is set Martha was the first to come in contact with the Lord. But of course, after she got, he got there, things began to take another turn. And she was cumbered about with many things, the word of the Lord says. And she got to fidgeting over things that weren't really that important. And so she became a tattletale because she was frustrated at her sister. And basically she went to the Lord and said, tell her to get back to helping me. That's important. We're trying to get a meal together here. And Jesus said that he, she's found the more important thing. Leave her alone. I'm not taking that away from her. But yet we find where that Martha, she had two sides. On one hand, she longed to be near Jesus. But yet, on the other hand, she wanted Jesus on her own terms. In the 40th verse, but Martha was cumbered about with much servings and came to him and said, Lord, dost not thou care? She had already judged the Lord. First, she was frustrated with Mary, but yet that wasn't the only one that she was frustrated with. For Mary, maybe she ought to have more sense than that, but surely the one that's supposed to be the Messiah, the anointed one, the one that has much power, the one that can heal, that can do great and marvelous things, surely this one could know better than to tell her to behave herself and get back in her place. Martha wanted it her way. Lord, don't you care 
that my sister hath left me to serve alone. It was really all about Martha. And uh, therefore, she should help me. Bid her that she should help me. And of course, the Lord says, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen for I've seen what's in her heart and I'm not taking that away from her. But yet I want to focus tonight on the two hands of Martha. For I believe that there's somebody in the house tonight that qualifies for a Martha. There's something in your heart that drew you to this house tonight. You had a longing to be in the presence of the Lord and the Spirit of God has moved in this house in many different ways and you have felt the presence of God and your flesh has responded with tears. There's no doubt that on one hand you long to be in the presence of God. There's no doubt that you want the things of God at a certain limit, but yet the second hand, on the other hand, the other hand, the two hands of Martha, on the other hand, you'd rather have it your own way. You don't really want to do everything that God wants you to do. You'll go the limit as long as it's your limit. I need somebody to pray right now. Pray that the word would go forth. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, my God, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, there's something in you, Martha, that longs for the things of God. You love God. There's no doubt that you love God but yet there's something inside that says, I will not go and do everything that you tell me to do. I, 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 there's some things that I'm going to have to just leave off. It's not that important to me. I, I, I think that I'll just do my own thing at a certain degree. No wonder that you're miserable this night. No wonder that you're struggling tonight. No wonder that you're finding it hard to put one foot in front of the other and say, I want to serve God. Hey, I want you to know something. If you're going to serve God, you got to give it everything you've got. Everything has got to be given. You can't hold back a little bit of portion and cherry pick it and say, I'll keep this to myself and the rest of it I'll give you. The Lord said, oh no, you can't do that. I've got to have it all or I'm not going to have anything at all. I'm talking to somebody tonight night. You love God and I'm not knocking that. But what I'm telling you tonight is the Lord is reminding you there's things in your spirit that you will not give up.
I'll never forget George. He came to St. Joseph, Louisiana Church, where I pastored. George's sister had already called me, said, Brother Motes, if there's anything you can do for George, please help him. So I went to see George. George was a little short guy. I don't, I'm not even sure he was five feet tall. But a very likable person. The minute that you got in George's presence, you liked him. He had a million-dollar smile and a personality to match that you could not help but like George when you sat down and you talked with him. And I invited him to the house of the Lord, and he came. And one night, George prayed through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And he lifted his hands and spoke with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. He jumped, he shouted, he had a great time that night. And then suddenly that million-dollar smile was a $15 million smile because now the Holy Ghost was looking out. And now he had something that, that the world couldn't give and the world couldn't take it away. You see, George had been a gross alcoholic and the Lord that night delivered him from alcoholism. Hallelujah, when he filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he walked away from the alcohol and every service he was there. He was there worshiping God with his hands in the air. It was such an inspiration to see George he would come to God's house and everybody was happy to see George but then one day someone called me you better go see George something's happened I go down to the apartment complex where he lived I knocked on the door no answer I tried the door and it was unlocked, so I eased it open and hollered in, Hello, George, are you there? I could hear something kind of noise in the house, and so I eased the door open a little more and called his name out again. There he was on the couch, stone drunk. George, what's happened to you? Brother Charles, he was so drunk, he couldn't even hardly talk. He was slurring his speech. He didn't even recognize me at all. George, what's going on? He rambled on and just stuff off the top of his head that made no sense. And then he got up. I don't know how he got up. But he got up, and he started shuffling his way to the kitchen. I thought, my God, what's he fixing to do now? And he goes to the kitchen, and I'm following him into the kitchen, and I look, and I see he's opened the refrigerator door. And I slip in behind him, and he opens the door, and there's nothing in there but liquor. The fridge is empty except for liquor. That's all that was in there. And his hands are shaking like this right here. 
And he reaches down. And I grab his hand. I said, no, George. But I got to have it. No, George. Don't you remember what the Lord did for you, George? I got I to gotta have it. And he grabbed that bottle and I took it away from him. I set it back down. I said, George, no. No, George, God can help you with this if you'll just let him. But George wasn't going to hear no part of it. He grabbed it again, and this time he managed to get it open, and he turned that thing up, and it went down. I thought, oh, my God, there's nothing else I can do. I walked out of that house sad. I thought, oh, God, what happened? You see, George, he... He had the two hands of Martha. One hand wanted to serve God. One hand wanted to love God. One hand wanted to worship God and be near the presence of the Lord. And he came. God filled him and delivered him. But yet by and by, it seemed as though the desire for the other, the other hand, you see, that other hand started working on him. Uh, he, he, couldn't seem to, he couldn't seem to stick with it. And so suddenly, something in his spirit drew him back and pulled him back like a magnet out of the fire and pulled him right back into the flames of hell. And as far as I know, if George is still alive, he is still a stumbling drunk. And that's been over 20-something years ago. Oh, God, I pray tonight that surely someone I can reach under the sound of my voice. And you think, well, it's me. It might be you, child of God, saint of God, filled with the Holy Ghost. But yet still, even though you're filled with the Holy Ghost, there's something still that holds you back. There's something you won't let go of. There's something that keeps dragging you down and you can't let go of it. It's the two hands of Martha. The one hand calls for you to call upon God, but the other hand says, no, you can't do that. You've got to have it your own way. I've seen people throughout the years I've been preaching now for oh Lord how long since 1980 42 years I've seen them come and I've seen them go but I've seen some that one hand of Martha, no matter how far that they would wander, they still have that one hand that kept saying, I want to be like the Lord. I want to be in church. 
I want to serve God. I want to do the things of God. I want to be pure and holy before the Lord. But yet still, the other hand, just about the time you think they're doing well, then suddenly they start slipping and they struggle and they slip and they struggle. I've watched them. They don't really grow. They just come to God's house and they struggle and they struggle and they struggle and there seems to be no forward motion and it's seems as though that when they try to make one step forward that it pushes them right back. Why is that? It's because the other hand there's something in their heart that they've never dealt with. There's something in their spirit that they've never dealt with that keeps pulling them back. What are you doing, Martha? Well, I'm waiting on Jesus. I never really gave up on him, you know. Yeah, he said some pretty sharp words to me about my sister. But I still, I still believe. Well, what are you doing? I'm waiting. We've sent word. Lazarus, the man that you love, is sick. Please come. I'm waiting. Even Jesus said when he received word, this sickness is not unto death. But yet he tarried. He waited. But now the time comes. Someone comes running, bursting into the home and says, Lazarus, he's drawing his last breath. If you want to talk to him, you better get over here. And everyone presses close and maybe Lazarus might still be awake and he's asking for Jesus and maybe something stirred in the heart of Martha. I gave him plenty of time and opportunity. He should have already gotten here. Where is the Savior? And then he draws his last breath. According to Jewish custom, mourning was to last for 30 days. In the period of that 30 days, the first three days were marked as weeping. And there were to be no business conducted whatsoever of any type in those three days. And then following the three days of weeping, there would be Seven days of lamentation before the final nine days. And so they begin to prepare to have him buried. It was Jewish custom for them to embalm, but yet the scriptures bears out clearly that he was not embalmed. How do we know that? Because in three days. Why did they not embalm him? Jewish tradition believed that the soul of a man would hover near for three days in hopes that there would be a miracle of resurrection. 
But after three days, putrefaction began to set in, and there was no hope, and all hope was lost, and the spirit was forever gone. So at the end of the third day, all hope was gone. Then Jesus shows up. Martha, what's going on? It's not, hello, Jesus, how are you doing? I'm so glad you're here. Martha was a little plain-spoken like some East Texans. Master, if you'd been here, if you'd only got here, it's your fault he's dead. If you'd only got here, he would not have died. But now I know even now that whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. I don't know what she was asking for because she certainly didn't believe that there was going to, anything miraculous was going to happen around there. Jesus said, your brother is going to rise again. Oh, yeah, I know, the great resurrection. We know that doctrine. Sure, we're all going to rise one day. Just belittle everything Jesus said. Then she goes and finds Mary. Story progresses on where Jesus wept, all of these things, and then he comes to the tomb. Roll away the stone. Guess who's in his way again? <clears throat> Don't embarrass us, Jesus. He's already stinking. Don't embarrass us. Did I not tell you? you believed, you'd see the glory of God. The resurrection occurs of Lazarus. But that's not what I'm focusing on right now. I want to give you one last tidbit. It's found in that last verse that I read. When Jesus came after the resurrection to the supper. And this is the last mention that we have of Martha. In John 12 and verse 2. And there they made him a supper. Can you put that on the board for me, brother? And there they made him a supper. Brother Charles, would you read those next three words? No change. The resurrection didn't even change her. She was still as far away from Jesus as she was the first time she met him. This hand says, I want to be close to God. But this hand says, I want God in my own terms. I want God in my own terms. I've seen ladies come and get in church 
and they have no problem with holiness standards whatsoever until it comes to the hair. And when it comes to the hair, something gets in their way. This hand says, I want, oh, I want everything God's got for me. But this hand says, but your hair, that's your department, not God's. Preacher says, the scripture is very clear that a woman's not to cut her hair. I'm not cutting it, I'm just trimming it. I believe that comes from the same word. If you trim something, you got to cut it. I'm going to say it. I feel in the Lord to say it, and I'm going to say it. You're going to split hell wide open playing those kind of games with God. It's not my job to play detective and run around and peek in your window and be a peeping Tom, make sure you're not cutting your hair. Not in my department. Get a bunch of spies, go around and find out if you're chopping on your hair or not. But the Lord knows. I said the Lord still knows, and he sees and he observes. I want to make it very clear, if you don't know, the word of God is very clear that a woman's not to cut her hair, not even trim it. Why? Because it's for her glory. It shows her submission. If you cannot submit, then you cannot be pleasing to God. I have to submit to him every single day. My flesh don't want to submit, brother. It'd rather go do something else, but my flesh has got to talk to God. I got to talk to God. I got to be in his presence, but not just be in his presence, not just be in his presence, but this hand's got to also line up and say, oh, God, whatever you want me to do, God, whatever I've got to do, Lord, I want to be saved. I, Lord, I, I, I want to be a part of the kingdom. I want to do the things of the Lord and be pleasing in his sight. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't think that it's, that you've got a pastor that comes around and dreams up new things to preach against all the time. I preach on, I teach on standards, should I say, about once a year. But I feel impressed of the Lord tonight to tell somebody, you need to be careful because you're in open rebellion to the Lord by cutting on your hair in secret and then acting like you're all right. Brethren, you fool around with that internet and you get off on stuff that you shouldn't be in. Google makes it easy for you to cover your tracks these days. You can get into all manner of perversion and nobody will ever know except one. And I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the Lord. And you say, well, I repented over that. Well, yeah, maybe you did, but if you keep going back to it, there remaineth no more sacrifice. Read me 10.26, Hebrews 10.26. 
And we're about done. Sister Misty, you want to come on up? Or Sister Carriana, I'm sorry. I'm getting old. Praise God. Hebrews 10.26, read it out loud for me. For if we sin willfully. For if we sin willfully, we make up our mind, we're going to do it in spite of what anybody says. After that, we have received the knowledge of the truth. After we know better. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. Now, what exactly does that mean? What that means is, is that you've got fresh sin in your life that the blood don't cover. I said it means you have fresh sin in your life that the blood don't cover because you've not repented over it. And how many have I seen that keep going to church and offering up praise unto the Lord, it's corrupted praise, but to give it to the Lord, thinking I'm all right because I can feel the presence of God, that does not mean you're all right just because you feel God. Martha felt good. She felt the presence of God, but yet, on the other hand, there was something that held her back from being what she should be in God. And on one hand, we come to God's house and we want to feel God and we want to worship God and that's all fine and good. But remember, on the other hand, what's in the rest of your world that's keeping you drugged down? It's keeping you backed up from doing the perfect, divine will of God. Stand with me, please. If we willfully sin after we've received the knowledge of the truth there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin brother Adam if I repent over something that I have done and I go back and I do it the next day does my repentance cover me on the second round I got to repent again. And repentance involves godly sorrow, but that's not all that repentance is. Repentance is turning away from it. Do what you've got to do to get away from it. If you've got a problem with wanting to trim your hair, then you might want to stay away from people that like to cut their hair. And talk about their latest trends. I know you're not shouting tonight. I didn't expect you to. But somebody tonight. I hope you never forget this message. About the two hands of Martha. And God spoke to a preacher laying. Completely fast asleep. And this was what I heard, the two hands of Martha. 